You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi and hello. I'm Erin McCart and this is Go Doc Yourself. And I'm Erin McQuirt, and this is the bonus episode because we wanted to do both documentaries of the Fire Festival. Mm-hmm. So we're just doing a bonus episode. Now, hopefully, this one won't be as long because, you know, we've already covered a lot of the stuff. Yeah, the deets. Mm-hmm. This will just kind of focus on the stuff that seemed to be unique to this other documentary. So, yeah, a little different angle, I thought, too. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> The one we're doing today is just called Fire. It does have a subtitle that says The Greatest Party That Never Happened. But if you look it up, it just says Fire. It was done in 2019 on Netflix. It's an hour and 37 minutes long. It was directed by Chris Smith. I think it was actually released like a week or two after the other one. Right. They were very, very close. Yeah. Yeah. And so this one, instead of, I think the Hulu one tended to focus a lot on Billy Mm -hmm. and well, they allowed him to speak on his own behalf. Sure, fine, mm-hmm. whatever. This one kind of focused a lot more on some of the people that worked with him at the company that was doing the Fire app, as well as on the festival. Yeah, kind of a different group of victims, if you will. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Goodness. Yeah. I mean, it starts off with that beautiful promotional video. Mm-hmm. I-, I will say, seeing that, Although I didn't see it at the time because I'm not huge on social networks and mm-hmm. um, I'm old. But <laughs> seeing it now, I'm like, yeah, I want to go to that. It looks amazing, right? Just like a tropical vacation more than anything. Yeah, the marketing on this was really outstanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, not a lot of substance, right? Like, I think you're sucked in <laughs> right? with all the pretty things. I mean, there's just not a lot to back it up. So, nope. So what's interesting is this one, they kind of focus original or like very early on about the app, right? That this, they talk about the app, what it was for, Ja Rule and Billy promoting it at the Web Summit five months before the festival. Right. And they really talk about that was the main focus. And then one of the employees kind of, when they were trying to brainstorm ideas of how to advertise this. Um, or get the word out was like, oh, we should have a festival or something. And then it just kind of took right. off. Yeah. Right. I think that that's kind of a funny realization that the fire festival itself was really just a promotional tool for the fire app. I mean, mm-hmm. how crazy is that? I think that guy is, is that M. David Lowe? He was the creative director for fire. Mm-hmm. The way they write it, it's a M. David, but I'm sure it's pretty it's M. David, right? That's how I would pronounce it, but okay. it's David. Yeah, that seems ridiculous. So um, I feel bad for like the a... people at Starbucks. <laughs> That's right. Horrible. <laughs> um, this guy's got a lot of shawl-colored sweaters and, you know, hipster, hipster <laughs> so city, hipster. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Seems like a great guy, but I was just like, damn, there's a lot of shawl collars in this, so. Yeah. And although it was pitched as like this initial, okay, we're just trying to support the app, they later discussed that they had signed a contract with the Bahamian government for like five years. They were supposed to do this for five years. Right. And bring a lot of business and it would have been good. Yes. And that gave some kind of clout to what they were saying, right? Like the Bahamians were more interested, you know, they were maybe slightly more mm-hmm. invested because they were like, oh, there's, you know, some backing here. Mm-hmm. Much to their dismay later. 
Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. as we discussed in the previous episode, uh, Ja Rule and Billy McFarlane are no longer allowed to do anything. On the- I'm surprised they'd even be let into the Bahamas at this point, even for vacation. You I know. Yeah. I think they're going to have to choose somewhere else. I'm, I just don't feel good about them going there for their safety. Right. Yeah. They, they didn't do good things. I wanted to point out a couple of people kind of as we get mm-hmm. rolling here. Andy King is my favorite guy in this whole thing. Oh my gosh. He's right? my favorite person ever for both of these. Yes. Yeah. He is an event producer. He knew Billy. I like the way he says in one part, he's like, I knew Billy since he was, you know, and I'm thinking like 12 and he's like 20 mm-hmm. and Billy was working so on this couple at years 25. Then. Like, <laughs> right. So it doesn't have quite the clout that I think he right. was thinking it would. And I was just like, Oh no. But um, mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty amazing that he helped with a bunch of Magnesis stuff, like events, like wine tastings. And it mm-hmm. sounded like there was slightly more shit that went on in that stupid townhouse than what the other one did. When there was like, there were two guys with mullets hanging out in the corner um, <laughs> right. instead. Like this was like, no, there was slightly more going on there. So I was like, oh, okay. They did mm-hmm. make it seem a little bit more cooler. Yeah, he's an event producer was yes. what they listed him as. So yep. and he seemed like he did a pretty good job. Well, he said he had like some 30 years experience. I mean, he kind of called back to that later, never in my 30 years. And I was like, that feels significant. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. At one point, they talk about, I don't even know who said it, but someone said when they started talking about the festival and they started talking about, you know, who they were bringing on board, they're like, oh, they're hiring the best of the best. Oh, it was because of marketing, right? So they, when they brought on Fuck Jerry and Mm -hmm. so they were bringing on the best of the best of each category. Mm -hmm. And I thought, were they though? Because I feel like the best of the best might've gotten more shit done. Well, I think it was a weird mix, right? Because there's some people in here, Samuel Crossed, he was the guy- that was booking the acts and Mm -hmm. he's like, I'd never done that before. So, I mean, that's contrary to what was said by the best of the best. I think they spent a lot of money and made it look real good, but the substance wasn't there. Their entire budget was blown on marketing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They, they show a lot of like the, the marketing video, like they're recording it in that, like they did in the other one. There are a couple things to note about the shoot that they mm-hmm. they might have shown in the other one, too, and I just didn't pick up on it. At one point in time, they're talking about going to, like, the pig island, and they're like, we really can't do that to shoot. And Ja Rule's like, we're spending a lot of fucking money. We're going to go do what we whatever we want to do. And I thought, that right there is part of the problem, that mentality. Yeah, he comes off a little bit stronger of a character in this one. The last one, I thought he was just, like, kind yeah. of a doofus. This one, you kind of see a little bit more involvement Mm -hmm. because Brett Kincaid, he was the guy who directed the promo video and they taped everything. Mm -hmm. Right. So I really liked the fact that they were showing a lot of the footage and some of it wasn't very flattering to people. I mean, Mm -hmm. it just kind of showed them being bossy or I don't know, just saying privileged shit or whatever it was. Just, you know what I mean? Like kind of off air moments (laughs) that they caught some of that. I did like the one where they were... He were at the pig beach and he was just passed out on the sand. Like, it wasn't like he was on a towel. He wasn't stretched out. It's like he fell down and passed out with a beer in his hand. But the beer was upright. He did not. Oh, I know. I know that Corona. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to waste a drop of that. Mm -mm. But it was so funny because it was like, that is absolutely what any regular person would do. Yes. Yes. Because they're just drinking and they're in the sun all day. Yeah. It sucks the life right out of you. It sure does. It sure does. 
can we talk about this one? They had the pilot that was kind of piloting them around when they first saw Pablo Escobar's island. Yes. Um, it was kind of a small plane. And somehow he becomes part of this whole planning process of the festival as well. But he says he learned how to fly learnt using a flight simulator for most of what he did. On Microsoft? Oh, my God, no. I mean, no. if anybody could do it, this cat could do it. Because he seemed to know what the fuck was going on. I mean, he was really all about logistics, so he struck me yeah. as kind of a bright guy. He was like, look, you cannot fit all these people on this island. You need to buy a bunch of toilets. There's just no space, right? I mean, at some point, you're going to run out of space right. <laughs> to put people. And he has a map out, and he's talking about scale, and I can appreciate all that. He had the suggestion of only having, like, the concert on the island and then having everybody, like, on a cruise ship off so they could, like, party on the cruise ship at night and right. then come to the island during the day, which sounds like a great idea, but they're like, mm -hmm. no, we can't, we can't do that. Well, then they don't tell him anything about it. And he, mm -hmm. he actually stays the night in a tent on the island mm -hmm. with a girlfriend or something. And he was like, it was miserable. This is not feasible to do this. So right. he was a dissenting voice in all of this, and he ended up, basically being replaced mm -hmm. yeah well because he was a dissenting voice right so many times throughout this particular documentary you hear billy say we are not a problem company you know we don't want to deal with problems we just want to have solutions we're solutions based which i'm going to start saying yeah we're not problem based we're solution based okay i appreciate that i do mm -hmm. but where do you think the solutions they're for problems so you have to recognize the problems to get the solutions. And also you have to actually think about the solutions. Oftentimes he was presented with solutions and he just called them problems because he didn't like them. Right. Right. He wasn't getting what he wanted to hear out of people like, right. We will pull this off at any cost to you personally, mm -hmm. to the people here. I mean, some of the shit we get into later, I was like, oh my God, unbelievable. Yeah, it is. They talk about how, so Mark Weinstein was the music festival consultant. Mm -hmm. He said that they had heard about it at like a music festival conference of sorts. Yeah. I was like, oh, that would be kind of awesome. Right? Why wouldn't they have something like that? I, you know, I was like, mm -hmm. oh, neat. Okay. Probably in Vegas. Mm -hmm. But he's like, everyone was like, sure, sure. You're going to do this in like five months. Of course you are. This is 18 months worth of planning. But of course, mm -hmm. and everyone was kind of laughing at it. And he's like, he's, either these guys are absolutely fucking brilliant or they're horrible. One or or the sheer other. madness. Yeah. I like the fact that he said Ja Rule was a keynote speaker at this thing. Mm. And I'm like, oh, what a treat for everyone. Because he'd done some interviews that they featured in the previous one. And he was barely coherent. He's just not you very well I mean? spoken. He seemed to always kind of pass the buck to someone else. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, we're here. Let me let my friend Billy talk about it. You know, he was just kind of the face, I guess. Yeah. So that's why I was like, I would have been interested to hear the keynote that he delivered. I don't know if it was a lot of, yeah, the same kind of thing. Because I don't know, some of the stuff I saw, it was just nonsense. So mm -hmm. that just kind of struck me as funny. Yeah. And then they talk about how most people were contracted to help work on this festival, like 45 days out from the festival. Yes. And then, you know, you have people like Grant, and I think we talked about him in the last one. He's the chief marketing officer. Yes, I tried to forget about him, but yes. Some of the footage from the promotional video and then on through the whole thing, text that he sent, he is crazy. He's not a good person, not a nice person. No. So I was like, oh, that's not really, mm -hmm. that's not really showing him in his, maybe it is showing him in his best light. But, you know, 
when they're talking about getting the stuff done at the last minute, I mean, he's definitely in on the cool. Like he's had the Kool Aid, right? Like he's mm-hmm. just, ugh. And then even after everything was like falling apart, they're like, "Oh, you need to deal with this negative publicity on social media." And they're like, "No, there's nothing we can do at this point. We're not posting anything else. Like we're not promising anything else." Yeah. And he's like, it's "Done. Oh, we're just gonna get a new team then." <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that'll solve this problem. It's like, You're we the can problem. salvage this. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. That's how Andy King gets brought in, right? Yeah. It comes to Billy calling Andy like, hey, come down here. You need to help us out, right? Right. Just help get stuff set up. Yeah. And he really puts the burden of a lot of this festival on him, on Andy. Because things mm-hmm. like he fired the caterer, what, a week or two out or something like that? Something crazy like that. Yeah, they had promised everybody like sushi and all this crazy stuff. And so the catering budget should have been in the $6 million category mm-hmm. because they were, they had no money. They were like, well, maybe a million dollars. And the caterers were like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got fired. The caterer got fired over the phone. And then Billy then looks at Andy and says, can you fix this? Yeah. After he's already ruined everything. Oh, by the way, can you fix this? No. Right. Son, this is on you. But people don't tell him that. The worst example of leadership, right? You're just making more work for your people and you, you're leaning on them more and more and more. You're not listening to their concerns. Yes. It's just berating and I don't know, just the pressure they must have been under is horrific. I can't imagine. So they talk about how it's Pablo Escobar's island. And they and they originally were looking at Pablo Escobar's island, but I guess the original owners didn't really want to be associated with that anymore. And mm-hmm. so the minute they saw this advertisement for the festival that was all like look how cool this is it's Pablo Escobar's island they're like and no you're fucking off and we're done with you yeah kicked (laughs) them off another goddamn island yep and they went everywhere right looking for something else yeah everywhere and then they floated out that they've bought an island so everybody's under the impression that this is an isolated private deserted island it's Mm -hmm. yeah very romantic and whatever and it's not it's like I don't know, the parking lot, half of the sandals or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they find a spot that it's possible to do this because they do. They did realize they needed some infrastructure. And again, they book it during their busiest weekends of the year. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, and you think about it. They sold all of these tickets. They put the advertising out and they sold like 95% of the tickets like immediately. Mm-hmm. within days or weeks or something before they had any of the actual plan laid out. It was just an idea of we're going to throw a festival. Woo-hoo! Yeah. They did zero research. I mean, I think that they did get people who were capable of doing this, but the time frame was too short. Right. The money wasn't there. The time wasn't there. Everything was lacking. And the way they put their emphasis on things like the influencers get free villas on the beach. There were no mm-hmm. villas. There ex- No villas existed, Mm-mm. which put, pressure on our friend mark right Mm -hmm. who was trying to find housing like do airbnbs for people on the island Mm -hmm. so he was like please stop giving away stuff for free there's Mm -hmm. nowhere to house these people and then he came back later with could you maybe cancel some of the tickets tell some of the people not to come if you have to have the influencers we have to cut somewhere else right nope won't do it won't do any of that there's no compromise anywhere it has to be the biggest thing ever it can't be slightly less big and then mark is terrified because he's like where are these people going to stay there's like 350 people that are not going to have anywhere to be 
So Right. Even after they put up their refugee tents and all that stuff, they didn't have yeah. space for anybody. And yep. like the Airbnbs that they did rent for influencers, a lot of them weren't getting paid. So like you have to give her house back. Yes. Ugh. The whole thing gives me such anxiety. Yeah. I just feel bad for the people that were working so hard. The pressure must have been just unbearable and yeah. she won't listen to anybody. So mm-hmm. they have pretty much everyone who can lift a towel and great Exuma were working to get this festival going like mm-hmm. round the clock. And the people who were still trying to, they still have people working on the app and mm-hmm. at that part of the company and they're not getting any information at all mm-hmm. about the festival. All they know is that's where all the money is going. So some right. of them aren't even getting paid. Like that's the game. Did we get paid today? Do we not get paid today? Right. Who got paid? How much did you get? Was that right? Right. Yeah. And that was horribly entertaining. I mean, like, what would you do in that situation? Like, do you get out? Do you, I mean, cause it's sort of like, it's a make or break type situation. Like if we stay, it could be huge, but my instincts say maybe it's time to go. Mm-hmm. And I think that'd be really hard. How do you survive if you're not getting paid and you're still working so hard on this? You don't have time to necessarily work a second job or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they did. I don't know how they did it. Well, it probably seems like a dream job too, right up to the point where it's not. Like there were some hints and mm-hmm. things that people saw that were like, in retrospect, you're like, oh no. But when you work at a place and people are riding around on hoverboards, like that might be attractive. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Taking a big drink. I about, <laughs> about drowned you. I'm sorry. We can't have that. I know. I know. I'll keep my funny to myself. <laughs> this podcast will never go right. anywhere. <laughs> I do love me some Calvin Wells, the financier. He was in both. Yes. He's just very much a, listen, I knew from the beginning this is bullshit. I tried to tell everyone it was bullshit. No one listened to me. Yeah. I like him too. He's got some personality um, and he's like, well, I started to see the musical acts that they were booking and I called them and I said, are you guys getting paid? And they're like, we feel real bad about this because the fire Festival is promising twice what our fee is you know what I mean mm-hmm. so like right there I'm like that feels like a scam and then they're not getting paid so Calvin being the wise wise man he is goes to Twitter like you do and sounds the alarm which we talked about you know the last cast here but he doesn't get a lot of traction and um you know so then they fly down there and they take some shots and start posting shit and it's like these are old hurricane tents these you know and it's, right I still don't think anybody was paying attention because they didn't want to, right? Like there were a couple models who put up an orange tile and that was it. This is mm-hmm. this is how history was made in this case. So, Well, a couple people said they noticed that the original sketches of, like they had sketches of the accommodations up, those have been taken down. Yes. And so then they started being like, okay, what's going on? Can we have some pictures, please? Mm-hmm. Would be really nice. People weren't getting like flight information. They didn't even know what, how do you get tickets when you don't know necessarily where you're going? Right. Right? So they didn't know what airport to even fly into Mm -hmm. or what was going on or where they were going to charter from. Any of it. Yeah. And as soon as they start, you know, asking these questions and trying to find out and, you know, I think people probably go into it with, it's on, it's just legitimate. Like, hey, I'm I'm trying to figure this out. Can you guys help Mm -hmm. me out? And then they kind of get the stone wall, right? And then they get pissy and they start getting a little bit more aggressive in their wording of things. And that started to look like bad press. So... Mm-hmm. That was eventually dealt with by any kind of, you know, static that they didn't want to see. They just made it go away. Yeah. Yeah. Internet's neat like that. I mean. Andy said every day we would meet and every day we would all ask, should we pull the plug? 
right? Every day. And Billy was like, no, he would not allow it. We have to move forward. We can't pull the plug. Do you think is it like a too big to fail situation in his head? I think somehow, even after all the stupid, stupid shit he's done, and I still can't figure out how he made any money from any of those scams, like to, to keep, like, cause he always had to use one to pay off the next. Right. So I don't know if he ever had any actual money that he wasn't owing someone else, but somehow he always landed on top, right? Mm -hmm. He always made it work and he just figured he would. He had not legitimately failed yet. Right. I feel bad he had to fail this badly to get that lesson, but I mean, he kind of set himself up for it. Yeah, absolutely. But what what they also said was there was no way he could pull the plug because he had to have the festival to be able to pay back all of the people. Because the minute he pulled the plug, they were demanding, they would demand the money. Right. Okay. Answer me this. If every bit of money that you pulled in from ticket sales, mm -hmm. from the bracelets, mm -hmm. which probably wouldn't have worked because there was poor internet anyway. Right. All these things that you're pulling in are already prepaid. How much more money are you going to get actually having the festival? Where's that extra money going to come from? Because they had like estimated so much more money from it. That's a good point, I guess. Do you think that was just part of the scam that he could delay payment being like, well, we haven't, you know what I mean? Like people that weren't on the inside would buy the, you know, the line. Well, we'll be able to pay you after we have the festival. Cause we'll get so much more money. I just, and I'm not saying that it's not true that festivals will make money, but with everything being ahead of time, the way they were trying yeah. to set it up, mm -hmm. I honestly don't know where all the other money was supposed to come from. Or if it was just what they were saying. Yeah, I would have been interested to know too. Like, let's say you put $3,000 on your bracelet for your yacht brunch mm -hmm. or whatever. What if you have $500 left on your bracelet? What oh, happens yeah, then? you're not getting that back. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're not getting it back. But I'm like, if I paid $4,000 to go to this thing for one person, mm -hmm. and then I paid $3,000 because they gave some astronomical amount that you were supposed to put on mm -hmm. your bracelet where the internet does not work. So mm -hmm. that's $7,000 for one weekend. And that's not even flights, I don't think. That's not, because you have to get flights to at least get to the charter flights, right? I mean, I guess. I, everything about it just, I don't know. I don't either. I don't know. My tiny little lady brain can't comprehend it. But this is the time, after they're talking about how he wouldn't pull the plug, he wouldn't mm -hmm. anything. This is, this is the moment of the, that made this documentary. <laughs> Can we talk about the fact that you watch this first? And you're <laughs> like... There's a part of this that you're just going to be like, oh, my God. And so I've been watching it. And I was like, is that it? Is that it? And then I was like, oh, my God. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's Andy, who is this amazing person. Like, he looks like someone I would love to go out and have a drink. Yeah. So genuine. So lovely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So they haven't been paying Customs Any, for stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We talked about it in the previous one. They haven't been paying people. Part of that is customs. And so they have four container trucks full of Evian water at customs. And they need $175,000 to get it out of customs. Right? Mm -hmm. They don't have $175,000. So Billy. Right. He has the goddamn nerve. Oh, my God. The balls on him. I don't even know how he walks. <laughs> He said, Andy, we need you to take a big one for the team. And Andy's like, I've been taking big ones this whole goddamn time. What the fuck, like, right? <laughs> and he's like, you're gay. So if you would be willing to go down. And go down. 
Yeah. (laughs) Go down and go down. (laughs) And suck the customs agent's dick, then we can get the water. Now, I want to know if you actually cleared this with the customs guy and like, hey, we got a guy that will do this. Or if it was just, I think maybe this will work. I'm dying to know. I have a lot of questions about this as well, because I'm like, why does it have to be Andy? Like, why couldn't Billy go do it? Right? I don't care if you're gay or not. It's your fucking water. It's your fucking festival. You need to take one for the team. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> the first time I watched it, I was, it was like, it was a little funnier. The second time I watched it, it just pissed me off. Right? And Andy was willing to do it. I mean, because Billy sold it as the whole thing is riding on this. Now, I agree that if you don't have water, people probably aren't going to do very well. But at the same time, it's just like, <sighs> why does everybody have to do the dirty work, right? Always. Oh, always. And I love Andy so much because he's like, listen, I went back to my room. I showered. I used some mouthwash. And I'm thinking, this isn't a date, Andy. You don't have to woo him. <laughs> I'm they like, don't care. I would think you'd travel with that mouthwash. Like, there's just not enough Listerine. Take it with you. Right? Take it with you. <laughs> so he's he's driving over there. He's dreading this meeting. Because I don't think he had any other details besides this. So he said he met with a custom mm-hmm. aids agent. And the guy was like, yeah, just, like, pay me first when it's over. Right. When you get the money after the festival, just pay yeah. me as one of the first people. So yeah, he didn't have to. And I'm like, well, it didn't require his skills after all. Jesus be a fence. How proud would you be that, listen, I'm not a, I'm not a sex worker, but, you know, my blowjobs are worth $175,000. That's, that's mad skill. I mean, I don't even think Linda Lovelace had skills like that. Just saying. And again, why does Andy have to go do it? Right? Why was it even on the table? Right? Again... Did Billy talk to the customs agent? Like, listen, we can do this for you. Or was it just his idea? I have to know. I have to know. Andy, please let us know. I know. I know. Reach out. Please give us some more deets. And then, like I said, they were laughing about it. So it was sort of like, can you remember the one time you almost did this thing? Like, you know, yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> but, you know, you're kind of sitting there like this kind of horrifying, mm-hmm. you know, atop of all the other stupid shit you had to do. Then you almost got sucked into doing that that's a perfect choice of words (laughs) wink yeah (laughs) so andy said he got through the last 24 hours like everyone said that they didn't sleep they were just you know up he said he got the the last 24 hours thinking about woodstock because if with woodstock you had traffic backed up for miles and miles you had hundreds of thousands of people that weren't supposed to be there so you didn't have accommodations they didn't have food Mm -hmm. they didn't have tents it rained there was mud there was drug overdoses yeah so if they could get away with it and have like positive you know it turned out okay in the end right nobody remembers the crappy stuff that happened right Mm -hmm. it's just remembered as this you know birth of the music festival right but i'm gonna stop him for a minute because there's a huge there's there are several huge differences here one the lineup Mm -hmm. right Blink-182 doesn't quite line up with, say, Jefferson Airplane and Jimi (laughs) Hendrix and Janis Joplin. And come on now, right? Well, I mean, but at the time, were they new and upcoming acts or were they, I mean, they were the monsters. They were, though. It was 69. And some of them, I mean. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. These were the best of the best. I'm going to say Sha Na Na maybe wasn't the biggest draw to that show. (laughs) But the others. (laughs) But 
The right, other right. thing is, is the demographic. Think of the people that went to Woodstock. They were hippies. They believed in socialism and helping everybody out and, you know, right. better drugs. They didn't have good hygiene. They had just lots of patchouli. That's all they cared about. So it was a right. whole different world. Whereas these kids are like drinking, not smoking pot. And they, mm-hmm. they probably would rather have been clean. And one of the guys later talks about how once it got dark, like they see these tents, it's horrible. And there was some camaraderie, mm-hmm. but the minute it got dark, that camaraderie was over. And people were, you know, fighting to get mattresses or tents or whatever. Yeah. It was really scary that night. Mm-hmm. Looting. Think about squatting yeah. and things and being very threatening and... There was one lady that wandered into some guy's tent and she was hysterical. She couldn't find somebody, but she was drunk and he was like, I couldn't help her. I didn't know where I was either. So, you know, it's just, it's not a good situation. And then they said like, while they were walking around in the tents trying to get extra stuff, one of the guys had peed all over the other mattresses. And I'm like, well, that seems excessive. They wanted to kind of be alone. So they have a tent and then they would go around to the ones kind of around it and either Mm -hmm. slash something so it wouldn't work or pee on it or do something so people wouldn't inhabit those other tents. Yeah. That wouldn't have happened at Woodstock. Yeah. Peace right? love, man. Peace Not here. Love. Good Lord. I do like the fact that the big storm the night before everybody got there made a bad situation mm-hmm. much, much worse and like kind of ruined a bunch of the, you know, the section of resources they did have. So tents were ruined. Mattresses were soaked. You know, some stuff was more uninhabitable mm-hmm. at that point. I felt bad for the people who had worked so hard. Like it wasn't what it was advertised, but it was something, right? They had oh, something yeah. pulled together. And the minute that storm came through, it just ruined everything. And these people had worked so hard for so long. Right. Most of them didn't even get paid for it. You know, not that they knew that when they were doing it, but. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how, you know, you're like, well, we'll just push through this last bit, right? Well, it'll be worth it in the end. This is, you know, we want to be a part of the success, blah, 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 blah. But then it's just like a big wet blanket all over everything because it just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, craps out. So then kind of, you do hear from some of the guests that attended and they were talking about it, it was kind of a shitty experience yeah. right from the very beginning. There were bad flights, you know, they get there and the builders aren't done and there's like, truck trailers and Amazon boxes and Mm -hmm. stacks of mattresses and this weird tents everywhere. And um, some of the guests get taken to a bar on a beach for several hours, but they're not given any information about where they are, where they're going or where the campsite is. And the caterer, who seems like Mm -hmm. a lovely lady, her name's Marianne. She doesn't get any warning. She's kind of thrust in this position of here, take care of all these kids Mm -hmm. for a minute. So I don't know. And then I did like the story of like, they were porting people around on school buses, but the school bus driver right. was not in on it. And he was like, well, you guys are just really in for it now. And, like, <laughs> and so, you know, that he's like shitting all over this thing. And they're like, oh, my God, our, our excitement is plummeting, dispersing yeah. by the word. So I don't know. And then there's just pandemonium from that point. There's lines and there's nothing that mm-hmm. no kind of organization. That part stressed me out. I mean, my anxiety was like, yes. <laughs> You know, where's my paper bag? And the techno music, like they're waiting in line and Billy wanted this techno music to be played super loud. But like the people trying to actually check others in, check the attendees Mm -hmm. in was like, please turn it down. We cannot hear them. And so they'd go turn it down. And then five Mm -hmm. minutes later, Billy would walk over and be like, turn it the fuck up. Well, right. He wants to portray this party. And he has them drinking alcohol. Right. And they're like, we're trying to get some fucking work done. Oh, he's just the worst. Well, if you'd spent $2 million or two point 
$5 million worth of tax or whatever. Mm-mm. Wouldn't you want everybody to be liquored up all the time? But the, the techno music would have gone on my goddamn nerds. So we talked about how people were live tweeting in the last one. And, but they made, someone made a great comment and he said that, you know, it took models and influencers and hundreds of people tweeting this orange block to like build up this fire festival. And it took one Mm -hmm. random kid with about 400 followers posting a picture of a cheese sandwich and it destroyed the entire festival. Right. Way to go, Trevor. Fucking Trevor, man. I know. Best thing he ever did. That'll be his legacy. I hope that's on his resume. Yeah. Like an actual (laughs) picture. That was me. Right. And this cheese sandwich. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I'm a movie and a shaker. (laughs) I destroyed the fire festival all by myself. It wasn't the fact that they served this fucking horrible sandwich, but that I posted it. That's what ruined it. Right. Mm. Right. So, yeah, the media backlash ensues, right? And it's, I mean, it's vicious, but again, it's still hard to feel bad for people. It is. I feel bad for mostly the people who tried to work on it and make it work. The Bahamians who worked that never got paid. The airport employees who had to deal with all those fucking kids in their airport. But Andy had said, you know, someone had come up to him and they're like, it was like one of the construction people, one of the contractors. And they're like, I need Mm $26,000 in cash. I need it right now. And Andy's like, and he was a big guy and he followed me around until he could like run and hide or something. Yeah. How terrifying. Yeah, there were some narrow escapes. They did definitely talk about that. You know, people are super pissed off. Mm -hmm. Several of the people who had been working on the island, like Mark, Andy, all those guys, you know, they can't get off the island and they just kind of fear for their safety, which, I mean, you kind of understand. Mm -hmm. We said the head of the Bahamian Tourism Board, the Minister of Finance, the head Mm -hmm. of the University of the Bahamas, they were all Mm -hmm. waiting for money. Yep. Angry mobs of locals that had been working. and. Billy is conveniently nowhere to be found. And I'm like, you nasty thing. Mm -hmm. So everybody gets out and they end up leaving one of their main contacts, a guy named JR. They just leave him hanging. He's got to deal with a bunch of the fallout. And finally, he too is like, I'm going to peace out because I, you know, I can't, I can't do anything about this. I can't get any answers for the people that he lived with. He lived there. And he has to get out of, you know, has to get off the island. Yeah. Yeah. Because they want to get paid. They were. Yeah thousands of dollars worth of work that they never got paid for. They were pissed. They wanted their money. They were willing to hold people ransom to get their money. So people were hiding and, you know, running and trying to get out. It was, I can't imagine how terrifying that would have been. Well, and then there were people like Marianne who spent a bunch of her savings to pay off her staff. That was the thing that I was like, that is soul crushing. It's a beautiful gesture, right? She did what she Mm -hmm. thought was right. But at the same time, it really cost her. $50,000. That's not yeah. nothing, man. No, I know. I that would be extremely painful. Oh my god. Yeah, that was that but was like she said. These are people she works with. These are people she has to see every day. Yeah. Yeah. It it was a bad situation, and there was no. They have no recourse. And they say it at the end that no one has ever come back to apologize to try to fix it to give restitution to help. I can't imagine Mm. what the cleanup was like for that fucking site. That's what I was thinking, too. It's just trash and shit everywhere. I couldn't imagine. I'd be so pissed at us. Stupid Americans. Fucking Americans. (laughs) Well, then they talk about, so after the festival, they go back to fire the company and they have a staff meeting. You know, the people who've been working on the app the whole time have lost everything because now there's no money for the app either. So all this work they put into it, it's going to go nowhere. Yep. And they were thinking at the beginning that this has the potential for like a billion dollar 
mm-hmm. industry, right? Like they were really, I mean, it's a cool idea. Like I said, it's a little rich for my blood. Like I'm probably not going to be booking somebody off of this app for a, you know, the graduation party that's coming, <laughs> coming in not too distant future, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, I guess there was a need for it and people were excited. So. Right. Here's something that they said. I guess Billy probably said it. Oh, we're a family. It's time to band together. No, let me tell you, it's a red flag because anytime a company <laughs> says we're a family, they're going to expect you to bleed for them. But guess what? They are not going to bleed for you ever. Hell no. No. Anytime they say that, I'm like, and I'm out. I can't stand it. That's right. bullshit. They're just trying to get you to do more work than you're getting paid for. Right. I enjoyed kind of days after Ja Rule has a little stupid phone call with the fire team and he's trying to salvage stuff. He's an asshole on that call, by the way. That's what I thought too. I was like, oh, not good. Not good. I'd be interested to know how much he's put back in to making this right Mm -hmm. with everybody, with that little family that they have in that room. Well, it's up to them. They have smart people on the call. They can fix it. Yeah. And then someone says, you know, lying to the public is fraud. We shouldn't have lied to the public. It's fraud because they're talking about how they can fix it. And they're like, maybe stop by stop lying. And John was like, that's mm-hmm. not fraud. That's not fraud. That's maybe false advertisement. That's a real thin line there. So why would anybody ever trust you again? Like, this is a very public mm-hmm. fuck up, mm-hmm. really. And so now you're like, don't worry about that. Maybe we endangered some people and we didn't pay our bills. So we're the worst. But um, this new thing we're doing, that's going to be all kinds of different and legit and stuff. I promise. I promise it's real right. this right. time. Right. There right. really is a so. wolf. I promise. There really is one. <laughs> we're not Welshers. It's fine. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about what happened before. This is the now. Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. They did talk about how some of the social media influencers were sued, though, for the promotions and that... Mm-hmm. It, it forced them to, if you're getting paid to advertise, you have to say you're getting paid to advertise. So it doesn't look like this is just you yes. doing this. You have to say you're getting paid. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. I didn't realize I had to be sued for that. That's unfortunate, but whatever. Right. And the other thing is ap- shortly after the festival, Billy actually says on a call, we're not firing anybody. We're just letting you know that we're no- there will be no payroll in the short term. Are you fucking kidding me? Why are people working for you? I'm not aware. What is it with people at the top of things that are like, people are going to be fine without getting paid, right? I mean, they don't, they're not real. They don't have real needs or anything like that. need stuff. Well, and then one one girl said, so you're not going to lay us off so we could actually get unemployment. Mm, Classy. Right? I hadn't even (laughs) thought about that until she said it. I'm like, you're right, girl. You tell me. Do you think though... They probably had some time to read the writing on the wall. Like yeah. they may be making some contingency. At least I hope so. They do seem like smart people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how horrible would that meeting have been? But he never gives any indication of, hey, I'm really sorry. or <laughs> Nothing, right? This is like... No remorse. Right? The fact that he has employees and he doesn't even know how unemployment insurance works doesn't surprise me, sadly, at all. Well, but he doesn't have any concept of going without at all. Right. Like every time you see him in this whole thing, he's in a pretty good situation. Right. It's so disgusting. They talk about the FBI visiting some of the employees and talking to them. I think what really pissed me off, okay, the whole thing pisses me off, but 
Former employees were being sued by credit card companies for charges that Billy made on their cards. Put on their personal credit cards. Oh my God. I have no words. So it was in a situation where they were like, okay, I guess here's my Amex card. Or he just like lifted the card or got it in there. I mean, it wouldn't be in your personnel files. I'm assuming. Because they talked about, oh, like he was, he was like a friend, right? So he would probably be like, oh, I forgot my card. I'm really short and we need to pay this person. Can you really front me a couple hundred thousand dollars? (laughs) And then. um, Where are these kids getting that kind of money? That kind of credit. I don't know. Jesus. Yeah. I think if someone gave me a hundred thousand dollar credit card, I'd be like, I just cut it up. No, I can't be. I would abuse it so fast. <laughs> I'd be like, mm. this can't be real. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's not real money. Charge it, charge it. <laughs> it's monopoly money. <laughs> <laughs> but they were like hundreds of thousands of dollars, and I guess they probably thought one, they were helping the company and helping something yes. they're working towards, and two, that yes. he had plenty of money, he would pay them back, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I'm sure he probably established some kind of report where he has paid back before or something I would like to think I don't know well they talk a little bit about the image of magnesis he says they have to have private planes I mean I think they chartered him but right and the Maserati is necessary so he can project that image you know spend money to make money it's his whole Mm. (laughs) it has not worked yet oh if you've ever lived with a wolf at the door like in your short, my God, that is so terrifying. Oh, I, I think most people know what it's like to have creditors calling you at some point in time in right. your life. Yeah. Right. It's right. it's not pleasant. It's stressful. No. It is so stressful. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. But I mean, I think that makes you better, like a better human being, maybe some more empathy. I don't know. But I just have the feeling he has no idea this is a thing. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he seems to be somewhat delusional because even when they were filming, so after he was out on bond and in that penthouse, a gentleman named Kendo was filming Mm because he wanted him to film him the whole time, which I think is weird. I don't know what the point of it was. I don't even think Kendo knew what the point of it was, but Billy actually looked him in the eye at one point in time and said, I'm not going to jail. And I thought, oh, the white privilege, the white money He's not necessarily far off. I'm surprised he got as much time as he did, all things considered. Yeah. I think he should have got much more, but knowing our system. Well, it is fairly public, though, right? I think, mm-hmm. and there's backlash for white-collar criminals not to get punished. I mean, I think that things are getting better in that way. You know, you can point to the Enrons and whatever of the world. I mean, right. those were bigger deals. You're stealing from the rich, and it's hitting a little <laughs> too close to home, maybe? Yeah. But yeah, he's he's an interesting cat. I I can't identify with him at all, really, in this. No, because mm-hmm. even not on Bond, when he was doing the NYC VIP access thing, <laughs> selling tickets to events that you can't even get tickets for, they said people gave him up to $100,000 for this shit. I think it's really hard on that one for me, because I'm like, this isn't even a good con. Like, I like a clever con. Like, oh, that was that was a pretty good one. But this is like... You can't buy tickets to the Met Gala. Right. You know what I mean? I just think that's really funny. It's like a Nigerian prince emailing me (laughs) saying they need me to give them money so they could store my, I can store their money and then I'll be a millionaire. Right. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. He does end up getting six years in prison. And I, Mm -hmm. I wonder if, because they kind of revoke his bond and I think it's because of all the NYC VIP access bullshit. Like, they find out he was still pulling these cons. I'm not sure. Again, I say to you, 
at one time in your life you might want to think about laying low, it's when you're out on bail. Right. (laughs) Like, Jesus, dude. Yes. Maybe you got some eyeballs on you. Maybe people are paying attention to you right now. I mean, I know you got to pay for your penthouse or whatever, but Mm -mm. good grief, dude. Right. Yeah. I think I looked it up. He's still actually in prison and he's been banned. He's a lifetime ban on serving as a corporate officer or director. Yes. (laughs) He'll weasel his way around it. He seems like a bright guy. I just wish he would channel that shit for good. Like, what about ending world Mm -hmm. hunger? That would bring you fame. Maybe not fortune, but still, you know what I mean? Like, he's evidently got a skill set that people will flock to. It's just self-serving. So, I don't know. It's just not great. It's not. He has an idea of life that I think he wants to live and he doesn't want to really work for it. He just wants to have it. And some people get that. Some people are born into it and just absolutely have it. But it's so rare. I mean, what did we say in the first one? His mom and dad were real estate, like not moguls, but I mean, he had it going pretty good. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, geez. He had to be doing pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And that just wasn't enough. And I think that's really hard Mm -hmm. to relate to because, you know, I just want enough, maybe a little extra. I don't really dream about private planes and shit like that. Mm -hmm. So that's hard for me to identify with him. Yeah. My idea of being successful is if something comes up, like your car breaks down or you need a new dog (laughs) knee or two, that it's not an emergency, right? That you can actually take Mm -hmm. care of it. That to me is is doing well. And if I can travel every now and then, even better. Yeah. That's what I'm saying too. Like a luxury for me would be taking my dog to dog daycare. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or get a house cleaner or something. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. or both. I mean, like, get oh, a little reclamped big, just girl. thinking about it. Dream big. <laughs> so, I don't know. I guess I'm okay with simple pleasures. I, I'm okay with that. I like mm-hmm. that about myself. So. Yeah, me too. I'm a little person. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, I will totally wear my own merch. I think we've established that that's going to totally be a thing. But, um, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I will say I like this one better than the other one just because it wasn't quite as formal. Mm -hmm. They don't give him a platform. I don't think he deserves a platform. I'm sorry. I just don't think it added anything. It was just the same old thing over and over again, right? Like we weren't wrong. It was unfortunate the way it went down. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no remorse. I think that's what Mm -hmm. it is. It's just more schmoozing and weaseling and you're just like, and he, but he did wear the giant boots and I did enjoy that. Yes. Yes. So. This one was a lot better, I think. And it had Andy in it, who I absolutely love. So. I did love me some Andy. So <laughs> I hope he got back to the uh, event planning of his dreams. So mm-hmm. I hope everyone enjoyed both versions. Mm-hmm. I hope you enjoyed both documentaries and both conversations about it. So yeah, I know I certainly learned something. I mean, I, I really only understood this on a surface level probably slightly deeper now. I mean, I'm not like mm-hmm. quoting, you know, financial statements or whatever, but it was good. It was entertaining. And I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, it's mm-hmm. a crazy story. It really, really is. So to change it up completely on you audience, next week we do the final member. And again, it's about wieners, which is super So fun. I guess we're not changing up at all, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Say it. Yes. But this is like from, you know, a scientific perspective, you know, because it's specimens and it's in Iceland. So I think that that will be super fun, too. Mm -hmm. That one's shorter. It's about an hour and 12 minutes and it's on the Hulu. So I'm looking forward to it. I cannot wait. (laughs) 
And then I think we should actually do the podcast from the Wiener Museum in Iceland. Oh. It's just a reason to go. Yeah, we can walk <laughs> around and I'll be like, and this is the walrus, and this is the shrew. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. We will see you next week. Later. Bye.